You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. Over this next few weeks, um, we, we've looked year upon year at heart attributes of the church. And uh, if you've joined us as a church in the last year, this will be fairly new to you, but if you have joined us years ago or have been part of this church since creation, then this you will have heard before. Um, and so probably about four years ago as a church leadership, we, we really worked through what are our values as a church? What are the things that are really important to us as a church? What, what are the distinctives that help set our direction and set where we're going? And uh, we, we came up with five heart attributes that we felt really reflected what we see in Scripture, the church to be. And uh, as a church, we were trying to organize everything we do around these five things, because if all of these things are in operation, really the church should be flourishing. It, it should be healthy and it should be vibrant. And so, although over the next month, we're not going to be looking at all five of these, I, I want to just read through them real quick to bring us up to remembrance or up to speed with what they are. And then we're going to actually focus only on one of them uh, for the next few weeks, okay? We're going to look at one heart attribute, and we're going to really work on that one front. And so, just going in the order, uh, one is that we want to be a church that encounters the Holy Spirit. We are a church that believes in the moving of the Holy Spirit, and so without any shame or embarrassment, we say, actually, we are a church that believes in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and that is something that we, we want to see happen. It's a value that we have that we want to see the gifts operated in our church. And so uh, in every ministry, we want to give space for the Holy Spirit. We, we want to lean into the Holy Spirit because we see in Scripture the Holy Spirit is for our empowerment. And so it isn't something we, we kind of, uh, is only part of salvation, but is also part of our empowerment to live out the gospel. And from children all the way up to older people, the Holy Spirit is given to all flesh, all flesh. And so we're a church that believes in that. One, second, we are a, a church that engages as a community. And so we want to be a church that doesn't just live as islands. We always come to church on a Sunday and we go home and we're disconnected from each other. But we do uh, believe in the value of community, of family, the sense of uh, belonging one to the other. And so our life groups are a reflection of that. How we try to do church is a reflection of that. We don't always get it right but it's something that's a value. At the point that we stop being a community of believers, fellowshipping and uh, sticking together, I, I think we cease to be the church as God intended it to be. The, the world wouldn't know that we are disciples if we don't love one another, right? And that's part comes from our community. We're a church that sees the empowerment of each person doing the, the work of the ministry that God has called you to do in this context. Uh, God has given each one of us a role and a responsibility and what your gifting is, is for this body. And, and as a church, it's our responsibility to try to find what that is in you and you also to be open to what God wants to lead you into in this church. God never gave us the gift of warming a seat. You know that? It's not any of the giftings. Seat warming is not a gift. We're all called to do the work of the ministry. And I believe in vocational men. I believe that God has called us to minister in the kingdom outside the church, but I equally believe God has called us each to play a part in the church. And so that's something that we believe as a core value, a heart attribute of the church. The fourth one is that we are called to make disciples, aren't we? And so as a church, we want to enable each person 
to be on the journey and becoming more like Jesus. And so that's if we're not making disciples, what are we making? It's not just making churchgoers. It's making people that should, over time, become more and more like Jesus. And so if that's not happening, if our children's program aren't growing children to become more like Jesus, then we've got to change something. Same thing as our adult program. When we look at what's being taught in life groups, I, I always look at it from a perspective. Is this helping people to become who God calls them to be as followers of Jesus? So again, that's something that we want to see happen. Now the fifth attribute, heart attribute of the church, is enlarging. And as we are actively to bring about the good news of Jesus, we are called to reach out and to enlarge the kingdom of God. And so the last one, and, and these are in no particular order, but our fifth heart attribute is that we would be a church that sees our existence not just for us, but to see his kingdom come on earth. On earth, not just in the church as it is in heaven. Jesus never said your kingdom come on in church as it is in heaven. It's it on earth. That means outside the church. It means this broader spectrum that God has for us. And so as a church, God calls us to see this expand, to see new people coming into the kingdom, and that you and I would be part of this process of, of, of enlarging the kingdom. This cannot exist as a church just for ourselves to feel good. We have to be empowered to reach out. The Holy Spirit was given to empower the church to be a light, to, to go out into all the earth. That was part of the infilling of the Holy Spirit. It was for us to go, not to stay and hope they come. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at this calling that God has for us as a church to enlarge. And it's something that as a leadership, if we, every year we, we kind of review what's, where the church is at and even looking at these five heart attributes. Where are we at with these things? And this is one front that as we looked at the ministries of the church and we looked at kind of the, the health of the church, it's one area that we thought, I don't know if we've, we've, we've seen that fruitfulness yet. Yet. And it's something that we feel that as a church, we need to, to, to hone in on this one front, especially say, go on, we want to see your kingdom come. We want to see your kingdom come. We, we want to be a church that's on the move. And so as a church, we, or as a leadership team, we, 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 we spent a day away. And, and one of the things that we did is, is looking at what are the, what is the culture that we're setting as a church? Because our culture helps, helps us in, in creating the context in which uh, we engage with the world, but also we engage with one another. And so there were three words. We had a whole list of words that we, we were wrestled through, but there were three words in particular that we felt was a culture of the kingdom. Three words that were culture, that were cultural words of the kingdom. And, and one of the words was generous. That, that the, the kingdom of God is a generous kingdom. And, and we'll look at that in a moment. The second one, the kingdom of God is an accepting kingdom. We come as we are into the kingdom, don't we? We, 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 we? Jesus accepted people right where they were at. They didn't have to change before they came to Jesus. Jesus was, was in charge of the change or the transformation after they came. But the kingdom of God was an accepting, as we see in Scripture, it's an accepting kingdom. And third, we see the kingdom of God is a bold kingdom. And so these are three cultural words that we want to start seeing exhibiting in our church, in our, in our fellowship. Um, but we're going to look at each one of these words over the next three weeks uh, to kind of unpackage what do we mean by being a generous church. And so today we're looking at the first one, generous. And uh, the dictionary defines generous as showing a readiness to give more of something 
than is strictly necessary or expected. I want to read it one more time. Showing a readiness to give more of something. So not just money, but something that is, is, um, giving it more than what is strictly necessary or expected. True generosity is found in the character of God, isn't it? I mean, where does generosity come from? Giving beyond what is expected. It comes from who God is. And I, I want to just kind of build a foundation around this thought process of generosity by first looking at the creator of generosity, the, the origin of generosity. And, and we see this, first of all, in John 3.16, a, a great passage of Scripture that many of you know very well. But it starts with this. God so loved the world that He what? He gave. Did He give stingily or kind of with, with reluctance? No, He gave generously. Right? Why do we say he, Jesus gave gener- or God gave generously? Because He gave everything. He gave His one and only Son. You think, when we look at this generous thought, was that expected for humanity? We had fallen short. We had chosen to walk away from the covenant, from the agreement that God has set with man. We had made the mistake, yet God gave His very best. Not the leftovers of the kingdom. He gave His one and only Son for you and for me. That, that is the height of generosity. And so we have the starting point of relationship with God. You and I are encountering God today because of His generous love towards you and towards me. It comes from this basic understanding. His kindness leads us towards repentance. Why? Because it's extravagant. It goes beyond our understanding. How could God love me? A guy that's done so many things wrong, who's so imperfect. How could God do that? It's because He gave beyond what was expected. He was generous in His love towards you and towards me. And because of this, we're drawn to this love that's unconditional and is extravagant. In fact, we see in 1 John 3, 1, um, see what great love the Father has lavished on I want us to say the word lavished. lavished. Say it one more time with passion. Lavished. I don't think upstairs said it. <laughs> one more time, just upstairs. Lavished. Ah, there you are. You're still awake. Good lavished on us. He lavished it on us. Why did He lavish? That He should call us His children. And that is what we are. His love wasn't that, okay, I'll accept you as some kind of servant in the kingdom. No, no, no. His love was lavished on us. He adopted us as His children. He grafted us in and said, I love you so much, I want you to be mine with my name on you. I want to adopt you as my child. This love that goes beyond expectation. Expectation would be okay, you paid my debt, but live out in the, in the garden somewhere in, where I can't see you because you, you've done bad things. But this love that was lavish says, I want you to be one of my children. I want you in my family. What love the Father has lavished on us. What a generous word that is. Lavished. What love He has for us. But then, as we start to, to, to live out this Christian walk, we have Titus 3, 4-7, to it says this, But when the kindness of our love of our God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us, not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing and rebirth and renewal of this Holy Spirit. This is what we're talking about, right? Who He poured out on us. What does the word say? What does the word say? So He poured it out just a little bit. Just a, just a, we gave us a, this is enough of the Holy Spirit. That, okay, I guess it's kind of live. No, 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 He gave it His Holy Spirit generously. Generously. 
through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. He has given His Spirit generously that we would become heirs. Jesus has not held anything back from us, but His Spirit has been poured out upon us generously. I want us to get these words in our heart. Generous. But then actually, it goes beyond that. If we keep looking in Scripture, we also see James 1.5. If any one of you lacks wisdom... How many of you lack wisdom? Okay, all of us do. I got two hands up. I lack wisdom. If anyone lacks wisdom, what does it say? You should ask God who gives what? Okay, is there a theme in these passages? Generous. He gives it generously to those who ask. To all without finding fault and it will be given to you. This picture of our Heavenly Father. Can I, I just hope we can, I could look at more passages of scripture that show over and over when we come to the Father, He doesn't just give what we need. He gives above and beyond. That's the generous heart of God. He has a heart that He's a, I love you, but I don't just love you enough to kind of accept you. I, I love you enough to call you as your children. I don't just love you enough to, to kind of get you enough of the Spirit to get you by. No, I want to, to give it generously so that you can in, inherit all that I have for you. I, I, you, you lack understanding, but I don't want to just give you a little bit of wisdom. I want to give you generously uh, the amount of wisdom that you need to, to go through life. All of these things that we look at, we look to the Father. He gives generously. That's the heart of the Father. Now that's the premise in which when we say we want to see His kingdom come, we're bringing a kingdom of generosity. We're bringing a kingdom that represents the Father who, who is very generous. We don't have a God who, who thinks twice about giving love generously. But then as believers, we, we come into His kingdom and now you and I are called to be His ambassadors. Yay, we're ambassadors of the kingdom. But what does that mean? It means you and I also have to be what? Generous. Upstairs. What is it? Generous. Uh, that lacked passion, didn't it? We have to be generous. God calls us to carry His character now. And so no longer can we follow Jesus and keep following in the same cultural context that we had before. But now we take on the culture of the kingdom. And the culture of the kingdom is generosity. And so now, even though I might be the most stingiest person on the planet, I come to Jesus and suddenly I'm challenged by His generosity towards me. And by the measure I've been given, I must give out. The measure of generosity that's been shown towards me, I now need to, I'm called to give this out to the people around us. And that is a challenge. It's a huge challenge because it goes against most of our DNA, our old nature DNA. And uh, Jesus, he, he had this a wonderful ability of, of saying things that were really difficult to live out. How many of you know that? When you read through the teachings of Jesus, sometimes you think, oh God, this is really, this is really hard. And yet, again, we start from the premise of this is God's heart, but now we're called to live it. And so we're going to look at the passage. Now we start to bring the application to you and to me. Here, here we have Jesus on this Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 to 42. We see this. You've heard it said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. You hit me, I hit you. It's the world system, isn't it? If someone strikes me, I strike them. If someone hurts me, I hurt them. It's, in fact, it's even Old Testament law. You know, if someone gouges out your eye, you gouge out their eye. Justified. But what is he? 
What does he say? He says, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek. I was going to ask Caleb to come as an, to demonstrate. <laughs> but he purposely moved. Uh, we'll just have to imagine that. <laughs> All right. Any other volunteers? Tom? No? Okay. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks and do not turn away from, uh, from the one who wants to borrow from you. Now here we have it. Now it starts to become really, you know, we love it. The acceptance and the love, everything God's shown to us. But now in practical terms, it starts to become really challenging. And uh, to me, when I, when I looked at this passage of, of God's heart towards us, how we live this out. Uh, the, the, there was three particular areas I see in this passage that speak of generosity. Now, again, what is the definition of generosity? It's giving beyond what is expected, right? It, it's not doing what is expected. It's going beyond what is expected. And so in the first one, we see here that if someone, if, if you've heard it said an eye for an eye or two for a tooth, but I tell you actually resist, to, to not resist, but actually to turn the cheek, to turn the cheek is showing generosity of mercy. Why do I say that? You see, we are justified. We are justified to retaliate, aren't we? We are justified to, to give to the other what they have done to us. We are justified. But mercy doesn't do what the other, you know, um, what's the word? Deserves. There we go. That's the word. We're, we're not doing what the other one deserves, but we're showing mercy. You see, Jesus showed mercy towards us by not counting our sins against us. We were showing mercy. And in fact, we're encouraged in James to show that mercy triumphs over judgment. And so when God calls us to be generous, He calls us to be generous in our mercy and grace towards those who oppose us. And now this is a really hard passage, isn't it? I think this is a hard passage because we don't want to be doormats. We don't want people to walk all over us. But there's something about the heart of God towards us that showed mercy. Instead of judgment. Jesus came to I don't come to judge you. We're not to be in the place of judge. But we're in the place to show mercy. Because we were showing mercy. Now I think there's something that, that, that moves the heart of people. That when, when they oppose us. To show mercy and grace in these moments of opposition. Goes, messes up with their minds. Because they're expecting this retaliation. They say something that's a barbed comment towards us. And for us to just show love and grace in response, it irritates them because you're not doing what is expected. You're going beyond what is expected. And I think one thing as a church and as, as believers out in the world, this living life, there are people that do not believe what we believe. How many would agree with that? We live in a context that people are opposed. You mentioned church or Christianity and suddenly people are even upset about what we stand for. And yet, when people are opposed to us, the Bible says, actually, don't resist them, but show mercy. Show mercy. Give way. You know what? This is, a, for me, a, a really difficult one. Because everything in me wants to fight. I mean, I, in practical terms, our, our neighbor got all upset because of our cafe starting. And I tell you what, I, Papa Bear started coming alive, you know. 
who's going to mess with us? Well, come on, you know, we get on the fight. You know, yeah, okay, yes, there's a place to state your case, but we are not wrestling flesh and blood. We're, we're, uh, there's an enemy that wants to take us down, but actually people we're to show mercy to. We're to show grace to. We're to show love towards. And there, it goes against everything. We want to fight our cause. We want to fight our corner. But you know what? There are times that God calls us to turn the cheek. Turn the cheek. Show mercy. Don't judge. Show mercy. You know, it's the mercy. It's the kindness that leads others to repentance as well as we show it to them. When we're something different to what they expect us to be. Let your light shine in dark places because of the generosity displayed in mercy towards those who oppose us. Oh, can we be that, that kind of a church that just shows mercy? The second the second area, which is probably an area when we think of the word generosity, probably comes more to mind. But it's, it's the sharing of our resources. It's giving what is more than what is just expected or strictly necessary. If someone asks for a tunic to give your cloak as well. You know, I think probably by nature, we, we like to take care of our own. You know, those of you part of a family unit, you know, you, you take care of your family. You take care of those people around us close. But... Actually, generosity goes beyond that, doesn't it? The heart of God to, to share what we have is, goes beyond just strictly who are your immediate family or even maybe who's in your church family. It calls us to, to love our neighbor and the neighbor that Jesus defines as our neighbor goes beyond actually just people in, in the church world. It, it goes be, it goes to the people just out on the street and loving our neighbor in a sacrificial, generous way is really challenging because we like to justify ourselves. Giving what is expected. And yet, generosity calls us to not give what is expected, but to go past that, that border and to, to look at the people around us, the people that we're facing every day in, in our lives, the people that we might be unconnected with, and show the love of God in our generosity. Why was a good Samaritan such a good Samaritan? It wasn't because he showed sympathy. It's because he showed generosity. He, he gave of his own resources. He, he cared for this guy. He took care of him with his own resources. And even though he wasn't connected relationally, he wasn't connected in the same people group, he gave. And Jesus demonstrated this is what love looks like. This is what the kingdom of God looks like. There's a generosity in love. It's practical. And again, we can say we're going to love the world. Ooh, I feel so loved. I love the world. But love in emotion is nothing. Love in practical terms of showing mercy, that's a, that we need God's unconditional love to show that kind of love and that generosity. But love also in the practical, we need God's love and, and His, His passion in our hearts to, to give in that place where we could easily walk to the other side because it, what is strictly expected is that we don't get involved. It's not our business. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I don't know the situation and I don't want to get involved. And so, strictly speaking, we're justified in doing absolutely nothing. But God says, I, I want you to be generous. I want to see my kingdom come in this life right now by showing my heart, by showing a generosity to the resources that God has given you to give. Isn't that difficult? It's difficult. Because all of us have our own agenda. Things we're saving for. Things that we're preparing for. And it goes, I, I want you to be generous. How can you be generous to those around you? To your colleagues? To your neighbors, to your friends. You know, sometimes it's even saying, you know what? Hey, I want to buy everyone a coffee today. I, I want to show some love in this way. 
You know, sometimes it's not always extravagant. Sometimes it's the little things of generosity that speaks to the heart and to the mind. The church has often been criticized as a church that just wants your money. And this is something as a church, we, as leadership, we've talked about this as well, that, you know, in praying for the community and praying for outreach, that God is challenging us this word with generosity. As a church, we're generous towards the community. Not just wanting people to give to the church, but us as a church giving to the community. We have in us resources that the community could benefit from. And us being aware that actually the generosity that God calls to is not just our own, but it's His own. It's God's kingdom. It's, it's the bigger picture. Are you with me still? Thirdly, we see this is time and effort. We have this term, going the extra mile. Well, literally, this is the passage that speaks of that term, going the extra mile. If someone asks you or forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks. You know, again, generous in our effort and our time. I think in the busyness of our world, it's very easy to not be generous with our time and effort to those who aren't closest to us. And I think, you know, it comes to days off, it comes to our own time, and we're precious. And, and I fully get, because I equally need to be, I need to guard my time. I, I don't want to burn out. I, but there's still this calling to be generous with our time and effort to the people around us. And it's, it was interesting in this passage, it says, for the one who forces you. So I don't know what the context is that we're being forced to do one thing. But, when we're forced to walk one mile, but to say, actually, you know, I'm volunteering to walk the second mile. That second mile is where the power is. If you want to bring the kingdom, it's not in the first mile, because that one is what's been requested of us. That's what's expected of us. But to walk the second mile is now voluntary. And the voluntary side of our life is what people note. Whatever we do, bar minimum, that is what is bar minimum for everyone. But it's the above and beyond is where the kingdom of God shines best. And if you want to have a voice in people's lives, if we want to share the love of Jesus, if we are not generous in all of these different fronts, our voice is powerless. If we're not caring for the poor, we're not helping those in need, we're not walking the extra mile, but we're only doing the minimum to get by, we've lost the thought, we've lost sight of the kingdom. The kingdom goes beyond what is required. And again, for each one of us, we have uh, all different circumstances that we represent, different family dynamics, different work environments. And going the extra mile requires the discernment of the Spirit for each one of us, what that looks like. We might be asked to do one thing, but think, actually, you know what? I feel I need to do more. Even though I don't like this person, I'm going to do more for this person. Because it's what God is asking of my life right now. I believe that true love of God on display can melt the heart of the most hardened person to the gospel. A generous heart towards them. A generous life towards them. You know what? Some people don't need to be one with theological arguments. They do need to be loved. And they do need to be shown the generosity of God. And when we look at as a church, us seeing God's kingdom come, generosity has to be part of the equation. And if it's not, 
I think we've missed something. We're desiring to see in this church cultivating this, this culture of generosity. Generosity for people in need in our church, but generosity to the people outside our church. And so I, I'm being challenged in myself how to be generous. How am I generous as a pastor? How am I generous in how we're leading the church? We want to be generous. I believe there's a word God has spoken to us to be generous. To be generous. Reflect His heart. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church, passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.